Hey Chi Alpha, if you've been following along for the last couple of weeks, you know that this summer we're talking about summer conditioning, about spiritual disciplines, and we're going through the book by Richard Foster called Celebration of Disciplines and talking about the different disciplines and how we can apply them during this season to grow in our relationship with Jesus throughout this summer. Uh, so tonight we're going to talk about chapter two of his book, which is prayer. And so I want to actually start by sharing a little bit about my brother. So some of you have heard me talk about my brother before and know that he is a runner. And actually, a couple months ago, right before all this quarantine stuff started, he got to run in the Olympic trials in Atlanta. So he was running to, to compete to see if he could represent the United States in the Olympics. Um, and so while he was, he was there running, he ran a marathon, a full marathon for this. And so... If you think about it, like, no one thinks when I say that, that he just, like, woke up one morning and decided, I'm going to compete in the Olympics and go run in this Atlanta Olympic trials, right? It wasn't just, you know, he's 25 years old. He didn't just decide, like, oh, today I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this marathon and possibly run in the Olympics. No, this is something that he's actually been training for for years. So I'm going to show you guys something. Okay, I'm at my parents' house right now, and... um in my parents' basement, I found this box. Okay, you guys see how big this box is? This actually isn't the only box. There are three of these in my mom's basement. And you know what they're full of? They're full of newspaper clippings from my brother. Um, there might be a few other things in here, but the majority of them are my brother's races and different things chronicling since he started running uh, back in middle school, actually. So I just pulled one right off the top. Um, this was actually from when he was a senior in high school, and he was quoted saying, my goal every race is to win, and that isn't going to change now. I'm going to win state or die trying. Okay, so that's what he said his senior year of high school back in 2012. So that was seven years ago, and he had been running like four or five years before that even. And I don't know if you asked him at that point if he ever thought that he would compete to be an Olympic runner, what he would say, probably would have said that he wanted to and that it was a dream of his because he's been pretty determined since he started running uh, several years ago. And so I think a lot of times we have that expectation with athletes, right? We expect that they're going to train, that it's going to be a journey, that it's going to take them time from when they first start until they get to the point that they could compete in the furthest stage, whatever that is. In the case of my brother, right now it's competing to be in the Olympics. Maybe someday he will be an Olympic runner. That would be awesome. But it just didn't happen overnight, right? It's been years and years and years of training and taking the time to develop that habit of practice and getting good at what he does. And so why would it be any different with the spiritual disciplines, right? Something that Richard Foster says in this chapter about prayer is that we have to learn how to pray. How often have you been somewhere and someone says, uh, will you pray? And the person responds with, uh, I don't know how to pray. And we just say, oh, it's easy. It's just talking to God. And there is some truth to that, right? There's some truth to prayer is talking to God. There's some elements of it that are easy because it's just natural for us to talk but it's not always easy, and it's not something that we either do well or we don't do at all. It is something that we can grow in and we can learn. So tonight, I want us to start with that mindset of just like my brother can learn how to be uh, a good runner, we can learn how to be a good prayer. That it's not something that we're just either good at or we're not. We can learn and we can grow in it. So let's dive in and let's figure out how do we learn, how do we grow in it. 
Well, first of all, if you think back to last semester, we talked about uh, being like Jesus, right? And so every week we looked at a different thing that Jesus said, a different thing that Jesus did, so that we could imitate him and learn how to be like him. And so Matt preached a really awesome sermon about how to pray like Jesus, where he went through the Lord's Prayer. And so if you didn't hear that, or even if you did and you don't really remember it, I encourage you to go back to the Kyle from Memphis podcast and find that sermon about praying like Jesus that Matt preached and listen to it, because that's a great outline for how we structure our prayers and and how we purposefully, intentionally spend time praying and what we pray about when we do that. But tonight, we want to focus more so on the prayer of intercession. So we know there's different types of prayer. And one of them is intercession. Intercession means praying for other people, praying for needs. So when Matt went and took us through the Lord's Prayer, um, there was a specific time in the Lord's Prayer, a specific part of it that he taught us, this is when we pray for needs. And so that's what we want to talk about tonight. When you sit down to pray, um, if you're going through that structure, another structure, when you get to the point where you're praying for people, you're praying for needs uh, of others, how do you do that? What does that look like? Um, or maybe you're just going to set aside some time separate from your bento time, your devotional time with God, where you're like, you know, I really care about this situation and I want to take time praying for it. I want to pray for healing for this person. I want to pray for deliverance for this person. I want to pray for wisdom for this situation. Um, what does that time of prayer look like? And so what better way to learn about those times of prayer than by looking at people in the Bible when they prayed. So we're going to look at three different prayers in the Bible tonight. And the first one is a prayer that Moses prayed. So to give you a little bit of context before we read the verse, this happened after uh, Moses had gone to Egypt and had demanded that Pharaoh let the people go. And they had crossed the Red Sea and they're wandering around the desert. And Moses is on Mount Sinai talking to God. God is actually giving him the Ten Commandments, has just given him the Ten Commandments. Uh, when we pick up in this verse. So we're going to read from Exodus chapter 32, verses 7 through 14. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go down, because your people, whom you brought up out of Egypt, have become corrupt. They have been quick to turn away from what I commanded them, and have made themselves an idol cast in the shape of a calf. They have bowed down to it, and sacrificed to it, and have said, These are your gods, Israel, who brought you out of Egypt. I have seen these people, said the Lord to Moses, and they are a stiff-necked people. Now leave me alone so that my anger may burn against them and that I may destroy them. Then I will make you into a great nation. But Moses sought the favor of the Lord his God. Lord, he said, why should your anger burn against your people whom you brought out of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say, It was an evil intent that he brought them out to kill them in the mountains and to wipe them off the face of the earth. Turn from your fierce anger, relent, and do not bring disaster on your people. Remember your servants Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, to whom you swore by your own self. I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, and I will give your descendants all this land I promised them, and it will be their inheritance forever." Then the Lord relented and did not bring on his people the disaster that he had threatened. Okay, so Anna has just read from Exodus for us in this prayer that Moses prays, right? So what happened? We just read that God was angry with the people and he tells Moses like, hey, these people that I just delivered from Egypt 
are doing this dumb thing and building an idol and saying the idol delivered them and not me. And God is rightfully angry. Okay, and how does Moses respond? He responds with a prayer of intercession. He prays on behalf of the people, the Israelites. So first of all, when we look at this prayer that he just prayed for their deliverance, something that stands out is that Moses knew God's heart. He knew God's will, right? Moses had spent all this time with God, had heard from God, had chosen to be God's vessel, to be obedient to God in bringing the people out of Egypt. And so he knew that God's heart was for the people, that God truly did care about these people. If he didn't care about them, why would he have delivered them from Egypt? Why would he have gone through all this trouble, right? And so that's where Moses' prayer comes from. Moses' prayer comes from this place of knowing God's will. If we're going to intercede for people, if we're going to pray for people, we have to know what the will of God is. And I'm not saying we have to know specifically like, oh, I'm going to pray for someone to get into med school, so I have to know whether or not God wants them in med school. No, but we can read the Bible and understand and know what the will of God is in general, um, overall, for people, for believers. And those are the things that we're going to pray over people. So in this case... Moses prayed the will of God. He prayed for their deliverance, for God to have his mercy, his compassion. Those are all things that are part of the heart and the character of God. And he prayed them over these people. Secondly, Moses expected God to change his mind, right? That's evident in the way he prayed. He didn't say, well, God, if you want to, maybe you could just think about like sparing them and showing them mercy. No, he was bold. He expected his prayer to make a difference in how God treated the people of Israel, right? And then lastly, he prayed with compassion. If he didn't have compassion for these people, if Moses didn't care for them, would he have asked God to spare them? No, he would have been like, yeah, you're right, God, like... They really made a dumb move there. Why don't you just smite them and start all over? Like, no, Moses came from a place of compassion. He cared about the people. And because he cared about the people, he prayed for them. And that's evident in how he he prayed and the words that he used and the attitude that he had before God. I also want to look tonight at a prayer that Abraham prayed. So to give a little backstory on this one, Um, God is actually talking to Abraham. He came like the angel of the Lord has come to be with Abraham in physical presence. And they're talking, they've had a meal. They're talking about something unrelated. And God says, you know, like, I think I'm going to tell Abraham what I'm about to do. And so what he tells Abraham is that he's about to destroy these cities, Sodom and Gomorrah, that have just been evil, that a bunch of of evil stuff is going on in and he's not happy with it and he says I'm just gonna wipe them out I'm gonna get rid of them and Abraham responds with this prayer with this plea and so Andrika is gonna read that to us it's from Genesis chapter 18 and we're gonna start in verse 23 and read through 33 if you want to follow along that's Genesis 18 23 through 33. Abraham came near and said would you also destroy the righteous with the wicked Suppose there were 50 righteous within the city, which you also destroyed a place and not spare it for the 50 righteous that were in it. Far be it from you to do such a thing as this, to slay the righteous with the wicked, so that the righteous should be as the wicked. Far be it from you, shall not the judge of all the earth do right. So the Lord said, If I find in Sodom 50 righteous within the city, then I will spare all the place for their sakes. Then Abraham answered and said, Indeed now, I who am but dust and ashes have taken it upon myself to speak to the Lord. Suppose there were five less than the fifty righteous. Would you destroy all the city for lack of five? 
So he said, If I find there forty-five, I will not destroy it. And he spoke to him yet again and said, Suppose there should be forty found there. So he said, I will not do it for the sake of forty. Then he said, Let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak. Suppose thirty should be found there. So he said, I will not do it if I find thirty there. And he said, Indeed now, I have taken it upon myself to speak to the Lord. Suppose twenty should be found there. So he said, I will not destroy it for the sake of twenty. Then he said, Let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak but once more. Suppose ten should be found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for the sake of ten. So the Lord went his way as soon as he had finished speaking with Abraham. And Abraham turned return to his place. Okay, so in that prayer that Abraham prayed, we can see some of the same things that we saw from when Moses had prayed. First of all, Abraham knew God's heart, just like Moses knew God's heart, Abraham did. Abraham knew that God cared about the people. If he didn't know that, he wouldn't have asked him to spare to spare them. And so that's where Abraham's prayer is coming from, out of this place of knowing that God's will isn't to destroy people or just to get rid of people, but it's to show his mercy and his compassion, and then that's who God is. Also, Abraham also expected God to change his mind. He expected his prayers to make a difference. When you pray, do you expect that that God is going to listen to you, that God is going to care what you have to say? Like Abraham went in with that faith, that boldness. He kept asking over and over and over again. He reduced the number and went lower and lower and lower because he expected that God cared about what he was saying. He expected God to respond and to say yes to him. And God did. God did say, yes, Abraham, I will grant you that. I will grant over and over and over again every time. Uh, God honored the prayer of Abraham and and agreed to it. And then also, Abraham had compassion for these people. Like, I honestly don't know how well he knew them, but he cared about them. Like, he cared whether they lived or not. He cared um, what happened to them. He cared that God gave them them mercy. So he's praying out of a, a place of compassion and not just a place of faith. And the last prayer I want to look at today is from uh, the book of John, and it's a prayer that Jesus prays. He's actually praying for us. And so we're not going to read the whole prayer. It's really long. But at the, the tail end of the prayer, he's praying for all believers everywhere throughout all time. Um, and so we're going to look at this. Asia's going to read it to us. It's from John chapter 17, verses 20 through 26. Hi, I'm reading from John chapter 17, verses 20 through 26. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you have gave me, that you may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you love me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them, and I will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them, and that I myself may be in them. Amen. So in that prayer that Asia just read that Jesus prays for us in John chapter 17, the main thing that Jesus is praying for is unity. He's praying for unity for all believers. Okay, what have we been saying are the the key parts of these prayers? 
Jesus obviously knew the will of God. Jesus is 100% God, 100% man. He knew the heart and the will of God because he is God. And so he understands that God's will is for us to be unified. And so he's praying God's perfect will over us as believers. How cool is that, that Jesus prayed God's perfect will for us? And I would love that. I would love to know that when I sit down to pray for my friends to pray for you guys that I'm not just praying like my thoughts, but I'm praying God's thoughts that I can open the Bible and find a verse and pray it over you guys. And know I'm praying God's perfect will over you. Also, Jesus expected that God was hearing his prayer. He expected that he was going to answer it. He had this expectation that the things that I'm praying, I'm not praying them like, eh, maybe they'll happen, maybe they won't, but that, hey, God, I know you're listening. I know you care about believers being unified, and so you're going to hear my prayer, and you're going to honor it. And Jesus was praying from a place of compassion. Who cares about us more than Jesus himself? Like, he cared about us as believers. He cared about us so much that even though that we weren't right there in front of him, even though we were thousands of years removed from this prayer that he's praying, that he still included us in it. He didn't just pray for the 12 disciples in front of him and the people they were going to reach, but for all believers of all time everywhere. Like, that really moves my heart that that's what Jesus was praying from, that place of compassion for us. So tonight, I really want to challenge you to be intentional um, when you pray about taking time to intercede for other people. So what does that look like? First, I would say, who do you have compassion for? Who has God put in your heart that you feel mercy towards, you feel compassion towards them? You Maybe there's like a certain prayer request or a need that you've seen that someone has told you about um, that you've just observed from interacting with people. Like, If that stood out to you, if that breaks your heart, then like that's compassion. That's God starting to get your attention to say, hey, will you pray for this thing? You have compassion for it. Will you put the energy, that compassion you feel, not just into feeling bad, but into praying, into taking the time to intercede and pray on their behalf so that God can do things. And then when you do sit down to pray, when you get to the time that you're interceding, like what are you praying for? Pray for God's will. And like I said before, we don't know what God's uh, will is in every little detail, every situation, but the word of God, the Bible is God's will. And so we can find verses, we know verses that talk about how God views us and, and what God wants for us. And we can pray those verses over people. We can pray them over situations and say, God, we trust you. And we know that these things are your will. We know that mercy is your will. We know that saving, that you will, that not that no one should perish, but all come to a saving knowledge of you. So we can pray those things over our friends and over the situations that that we are praying for. And then also let's pray with an expectation that God hears us. Let's not pray half-hearted prayers like, well, maybe if you want to, but like, God, I know you hear me. I know that you can um, hear what I'm saying and that you care about what I'm saying. And so we pray with faith, with an expectation that God hears us and that he's going to respond to our prayers. So tonight, I just want to pray that God would give you a heart to pray for people and that he would teach you how to intercede. So God, I just thank you for who you are. God, I thank you that you don't just make decisions willy-nilly, but that you include us, that we are part of your plan. Um, And God, I pray that you would give us uh, just compassion for people, that we would care enough about people and situations to choose to pray for them. And that when we pray for them, that we would pray your will and we would pray from a place of expecting you to answer our prayers and expecting you to, to change and to work in the situations that we're praying for. Would you grow us as a group and and individually in this area? 
In your name, amen. So this week we talked about prayer, and as I was reading in Acts last week, I felt the Lord prompt me to uh, approach the staff team about doing weekly prayer as a, as a ministry. So we'll be doing that every Tuesday and Thursday. I'll have the times posted on the Slack, hopefully on uh, the next day or so, and uh, we'll be doing over Zoom. We're praying for our families, for our personal needs, for our campus, even for our country. And so please join us next week as we start doing our prayer gatherings. Thanks.